We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, and this is me, Lean, from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Elliot and Paul will be discussing the 2-1 victory against Tottenham at White Hart Lane in the League Cup. Is it the Carling Cup still, or has the sponsor changed? I've honestly forgotten. But it doesn't matter, because after back-to-back defeats in Zagreb and Chelsea, it was very important that we got back on track, and we've done just that. Uh, Arsenal made many changes to the lineup, um, as expected, and um, it paid off. Two goals from new superstar striker Matteo Flamini has put us through to the next round. Um, that wasn't expected. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, but he took his goals really well. Both goals, especially the second goal. I've only seen the first half, so I can't go into detail on the game itself. Uh, but I'm just pleased that we're through. And we've rested a lot of players. So it's been a great night's work. And I'll certainly take that. I'm sure everyone will also. So anyway... Um, Without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to the guys to discuss the excellent win at White Hart Lane, and I'll be back after the Leicester City game. He points, he shouts, he scores a brace at the lane. It's Matthew Flamini. It doesn't really rhyme, but it's got a good ring to it. My name is Elliot Smith, and this is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner, and we're going to be talking about a delightful 2-0 Arsenal victory at uh, Scheidt Hart Lane. In the Capital One Cup, I am not joined by James. Unfortunately, he has a career now, so midweek's going to be a little tough for him. But manfully, Paul is here. You can follow him on Twitter at Poznan in my pants. Hello, Paul. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you 
uh, here to discuss this game. And, and I want to do something a little different. So we have a WhatsApp conversation that's you, me, James, and uh, Linus, Mean Lean on Twitter, who are the man behind Arsenal Vision. And <clears throat> occasionally it gets pretty heated just because we have different perspectives, which is fine. We're all friends, and that's how a debate works. Um, James and I get into it from time to time. But I took issue with the rotation ahead of the match. And ultimately, it doesn't matter anymore because we won. But the interesting part of the conversation for me, Paul, was that we got into a pretty strong debate about whether the game mattered at all. And and James was sort of of the opinion, I don't want to out him with our back chat, but I'll out him a little bit since he's not here, because I can do that. You know, kind of, it doesn't matter. It's Capital One Cup. It's, it's a glorified friendly. Who cares? And I think you were more on that side, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'll give you my perspective in a minute, but... Before the game, when you saw the changes, I know you didn't have a problem with it. Talk me through your perspective on the importance of this game going in and how you felt when you saw the lineup. Okay, well, I was pretty... Uh, I can't speak exactly for James, but I'm definitely down that that end of the spectrum. The Capital One Cup is something that suits our purposes rather than us our, us suiting it. Um depending on where you're at in your season and its importance to you, um, it's an opportunity for you to field the youth or your uh, uh, B team or some hybrid or for you to find form from a... Uh, I think getting... So uh, I also think the important thing about the Capital One Cup is to get some mileage out of it when you win and forget about it when you lose. And I know there's two, we've all seen the debates over the years about the cup. I think particularly having won a couple of FA Cups, um, that moves the needle a little bit more in the, you use the Capital One Cup for whatever your purposes are, and hopefully you win. Um, and then from a, a fan perspective, the way I approach a Capital One game is I just try and enjoy the snot out of it, if it goes reasonably well. And if it doesn't, I don't... I'm not going to overanalyze it. It's it is what it is. I mean, uh, you and I had a couple of chats along the way. One, uh, you know, where I think you have the most the most leverage in this conversation is in the, you know, we've had a couple of bad results. This would be three leading into Leicester. But I think that's a mindset we get into, and I hope what the the team takes it as well. If we win, good. It's a mood booster. If not, fuck it. It's the Capital One Cup. Um, we're off to Leicester. It's an away game. That's the Premier League. Screw it. You know, wipe the slate clean. Don't overanalyze it. And don't treat it as if it's a Premier League game or anything close. And don't get, you know, I don't think you get hung up on it. You use it for whatever purpose suits the squad. And you don't wear the boys out. You don't get them injured. And today we played a glorified B team with, I guess you could argue, Mertesacker, Ox and Ramsey really being the only A-team players and Ox is really kind of just outside of the starting 11 trying to fight his way in, so it was useful for him. Mertesacker is trying to find fitness and form and prove himself, so it was useful for him. I would say right at this moment maybe, certainly going back a day or two, he's in the B-team, probably about to be reestablished into the A-team, so it has a use for him. And Ramsey, you know, uh, you, you're going to need somebody in that midfield. So, And Ramsey had a rest the other day. So, you know, you could argue it makes sense for him to play today. So I think from my standpoint, I think it was a perfectly weighted 
11 to play here. Play the B team and get whatever you can out of it. Some, fo- uh, you know, we really saw against Zagreb. So I here here's my argument. We really mm-hmm. saw against Zagreb that bringing in six players who ought to have been good enough weren't good enough because they hadn't played 90 minutes competitive. And that's, what, to me, the biggest value of this is to get Arteta, Gibbs, Debushi, and we'll talk about each one of those players, uh, and Mertesacker, and the Ox, and whoever needs to come on, Campbell, having had the best part of a full 90 in a competitive game that, pe- that we care about, but you don't over-egg the pudding. You don't put... Leicester at risk. You don't put your Premier League at list uh, at risk, and so it's a very difficult balance for the manager. So at the end of the day, I don't overanalyze his choices with the Capital One Cup. He does what he needs to do. I liked the selection, and we'll talk about the game. Okay, so, so let me just take each one of those points in turn and give you sort of my repost, my my perspective on them, not hysterically, but just sort of how how I see this. First and foremost. I don't care what the competition is. Spurs are a main rival, and we can joke, oh, they're in our shadow, and they don't count anymore. I think there is a more global, and I fit into this group, modern fan who maybe doesn't appreciate the rivalry, but for one reason or another, I've had it imprinted in my fandom or support. I hate Spurs. I love beating them. I think Arsene Wenger built his legacy on beating Spurs, and it matters to a big section of the fans. Um, To me, at the end of a season... Trophies aside, you remember the highs and the lows. And there are certain games you're going to point to and remember at the end of a season. I can't tell you what our scores were home or away to Leicester last year in the league, and I doubt off the top of the he- top of your head you can either. But I clearly remember every game we've played with Spurs going back several seasons. I can remember when Theo Walcott got injured, right, hurt his knee, and we won a couple seasons ago. I can remember the dire draw where we, we should have taken points. I remember really getting blasted at the lane last year in the league. I mean, I remember those games. And at the end of the season, you're going to look back on Chelsea, United, Liverpool, Spurs, um, probably City. And those are games you'll remember. And so at the end of this season, I probably won't remember what the score is of this upcoming Leicester game. But I will remember that we beat Spurs at the lane. And I will remember the Flamini brace. I mean, in part, just because how would you forget a thing like that? But so... You know, you want to make these memories, and beating Spurs is a great memory. And I think every time you have an opportunity to beat one of your rivals, you go for it because it matters to the fans, and you're not guaranteed of trophies, so you might as well take your big games seriously and give the fans something to feel really good about. Um, And they did that, by the way. They took the opportunity to do that regardless of the lineup. My other argument would be, you know, you look at the other big teams, virtually none of them really rotated City played their strongest 11 and played themselves right back into form and into confidence. Sterling was brilliant. De Bruyne was good. I mean, you know, that's what you want to see. And I would argue right now that this Arsenal team needs form more than it needs rest and rotation, right, Paul? So, like, I would say the benefit of playing Sanchez for 90 minutes and hopefully getting him off the mark and and opening his account for the season or playing Ozil for 90 minutes and, and maybe, you know, having him, you know, really dominate the midfield, um, getting Theo to really become even more acquainted with the center forward position and, and get a key goal. I, I think those things are more important at this point in our season than rest because we are in a rut and we are in a goal-scoring rut in particular. So we just see this differently. But first and foremost, if we're not about beating our rivals, then as a club, what the hell are we about? You know, we we don't win a lot of big games. I hate to admit it, but we don't. We we don't beat, you know, the 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 big sides super often. 
in Europe and, and in the league. And th- this is this is a rival, and it's a chance to win. And we did, so I don't want to harp on it, but I, I do think you take a game like this seriously, not because the Capital One Cup is a priority, but because beating Spurs is always important to the fans. Um, let's move on. Okay, from, so... From, from, you, no, yeah, no, you, no, go no. Ahead. So let's take each... I'll, I'll make quick points on these. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. We don't do well enough against the big teams. That's my priority. You can't have everything as your priority or it's not a priority. Everything's a trade-off. If you put of maximum course. effort in one area, it's going to cost you somewhere else. You say you won't remember the Leicester result at the end of the season. You will remember where we are in the Premier League and you and all of us will bitch if it's fourth. Now, if we win the Leicester game instead of draw it, and we go on a run of form, that's a whole other ball. Now, this is all hypotheticals, and it's never as black and white as this. I fully concede it's not the difference between winning or drawing at Leicester, but they're in form, and so we need to take them extremely seriously. We, what's, what we need to take really, really seriously is the critical point of this phase of the season. It's essential we win at Leicester. So of course, I, I don't disagree. That's top priority, and you can't have you, you can't have two. So another point you made: you want the team to find form, okay? Mm-hmm. So you would pick the you would pick different players to find form in the Capital One Cup. I'm perfectly fine with that. But what you're saying is you would use the Capital One Cup to find form for the first team. If that's your priority as the manager, okay. But the manager is going to make a judgment that's about form, fitness, all sorts of things. Of course, absolutely. Both of you, but at that point, you're saying use the Capital One Cup to your purposes, which happens to be also playing your best team. And mm-hmm. you say you want to beat Spurs every time. Well, our rivals need to be Spurs and United and Chelsea and City and Liverpool, and we want to beat them in the league, and we want to beat them through the league. So it's not just about um, about Spurs. And on that point, there's something about something like the Capital One Cup that there, there can be bad mojo, bad karma, when you go out and you decide, I'm going to play Spurs, and I'm going to send out my A-team and treat it like an A-team game. Yeah, we've if you seen, lose, it backfires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree with that, but I mean, so, that's the risk you take whenever you play your best players. If you lose, it has a negative impact. I, I guess I would just say really but, quickly... But Paul, sometimes you send out the team for whom it means the most to, and you take your lumps, and you find... So there's all sorts of factors in there that don't mean it's a simple answer every time of you play your first team. And oh, while I, I respect By the your way, points... I don't think you do it every time. I mean, if this was, you know, giggle, Carlisle, um, you know, of course I'd have a different perspective. This, my, my feelings are informed, sure. my, my opinion here is informed by two critical factors. One, who the opponent was, and two, um, the the fact that, look, we if we had gotten off to the start of the season gangbusters and we were undefeated in the league and, and really in form and the manager said, hey, I know it's a North London derby, but the fact is our league campaign's going great. We're in red hot form and I'm not taking a risk here. I might have a different opinion, but I think the combination of but the, surely the that, opponent and the surely the But surely that makes your point. We didn't start off the the league like gangbusters so our league game on saturday is hyper critical it is but 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 i guess my my point is partly that 
we have different opinions of what the best way to be up for that game is. I I think I, I lean more towards believing the best way to prepare for Leicester would have been getting Theo another shot at center forward and, and getting Sanchez off the mark. And, you know, maybe, maybe Sanchez's problem is he's played too much. Look, this is all reading tea leaves at some level. Um, I just, I just uh, think... Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think they're important tea lever, leaves, though. And let's take that point. We both agree the important thing is to find the right way to be up for Leicester, right? I think that that we, is... But, we, but, we but might, the difference is... We Paul, might there is disagree about difference. the methods. And at the end of the day... I put my hands up and say, I don't know all the goings on within the team. This is one of those games. I, I might criticize, you know, I criticize the manager for Zach Greb. I wouldn't dream of criticizing him for the, the, the Capital One Cup because I don't know all of these softer issues about where we're at in form and personalities and the squad and the longer thing. I am 100% commi- convinced that his priority will be to have us in the best shape for the league. And from that standpoint, I don't really care who the team is. I, I will take the game and our team, and as the Capital One Cup, anything can literally happen in football and certainly in the Capital One Cup. When I saw this team, I didn't think we weren't going to win. I, I, I didn't even feel if we played our first 11, our chances were going to be that much better because there's something funny about a game like this when you play your first 11 and they know it's the Capital One Cup. I'm thinking if these guys get a bit, a bit of cohesion going, the missing cohesion... The, our B team is almost as good as our A team in theory on paper. They mightn't be mm-hmm. right now because we're you know we're worried about people like Debushi, but in theory he's as good as Bellerin almost. We're worried well. about Gibbs <laughs> and in theory, no, he is. I mean, whatever in your theory, personal yeah, in opinion. In practice, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> in theory, and but but in practice, it's time it was true in practice, and this is how you do it. You give the guys a game. You don't write them off. You've no, got fucking six, 60 games in, in the season. Ox has to be good. Debushi has to be good. Gibbs has to be good. Chambers has to come up to snuff. Per Kishelny and Gabrielle, Ospina has to be good. They've all got to be able to play. They've all got to be good. And the only way they're going to get good is by getting played. You can't play the A-team and then bitch when Zagreb comes along and you make six changes, which you were fully well, supportive of, and I, then I bitch because they're not good enough. I know, yeah. but, but, and I think that there's, there's a couple nuances to this. If you want to play Debushi and Ospina to get them some game time, or if you decide you want to start Oxlade-Chamberlain and Mikel Arteta, that's fine. I mean... He changed every single player on the pitch. Let's not pretend that's the same thing. Well, why, cha- why change half of them? The, well, the mistake okay, with I mean, Zagreb was the same argument half after of Zagreb. Now, I, now I nobody it, but, knows anybody, but only half of them are getting it. You know, if you're going to change, if you've got a good enough B team, and our B team is basically the kind of the the. Uh, the counter negative of the A team in every position here, apart from maybe you, you could maybe argue one on paper. This is almost as good as our A team. It's just they never play. We'll let them play. I mean, look, you have the high ground here because we did win. So I can't argue that it didn't work, and I'm glad <laughs> it did work. So I mean, it, you know, it's kind of ridiculous for me to argue against that. But but I think the one area where we differ too is you're saying I, I would put it this way. You're talking about Leicester being important. I agree that Leicester is important. The difference is I don't agree that whatever was best for Leicester was the right way to approach this game, as if its only purpose was to do what was best for the Leicester game. I feel this game had value. I feel that this game had importance and that this game 
was one we should have wanted to win and thankfully did win. And I'll put it this way. as I felt fantastic after this game. I loved winning this game. So you can only imagine how it would have felt losing the Spurs and being knocked out by them and being three losses on the bounce. And, you know, that's not something, thankfully, we have to debate. So let's dive into the game. I think we both sort of made our points. I, I fully respect your opinion about what's best for preparation and needing to get the second, you know, the B team, so to speak, uh, minutes so that they can be contributors throughout the season. I fully acknowledge that. And they did that. Now, within the game, I would argue most of them were terrible. <laughs> this was a really hot mess of a game. We were bad. Spurs were awful. It was it was a fun game to watch because it was kind of a mess. Um, you'd never, ever, ever find anyone who would have expected Matthew Flamini to show up with a brace, especially with a second goal that was a thing of beauty. Um now making him the joint top scorer for Arsenal for the season. But maybe tell me a little bit of who you thought distinguished themselves in the game and who worried you with their performance. All right. Well, we're, we're probably on for a bumpy ride. I, so I'm most of the way through watching it a second time. Already? As usual, Impressive. My, yeah. <laughs> so um, my opinion has changed quite a bit on the game. I mean, so to me, this is the setup for the game. It was going to be... Uh, Spurs took it really seriously, pretty much played their A team, and pretty much played their A game, which we have seen before last season. They did the same thing against us at uh, Scheidhart Lane. They were and fantastic approach, in that game in the league they last were. season. I don't think that they, they were, were. Their press wasn't anywhere near as effective today. We couldn't get out of our half in that game. Yeah, so let's just say they tried to be that good today. And we did yeah. all right against the press. It, it, that's the kind of game where we're not going to look that great. A bit like playing against a park bus. This, if you look at our even our our two centre backs and our two full backs, if you look at their passing percentages, they're pretty low. Now, there's a reason for that. Now, the counter side to them doing a press and a counter press and putting all that pressure on us is. We need to be able to play out of that position. And a couple of players who got a bit slated today, Giroud and Ramsey, although they didn't do anything that hit the headlines, did a hell of a lot of graft to help us. To, we had a lot of good attacking chances. Our, our fable XG is better than their XG, yet they were the ones putting the pressure on us with the counterpress. That's because we were able to play out from the midfield. Mm-hmm. Giroud did a lot of graft, hard work. You saw him running up to the up the left wing, making runs. Uh, Ramsey was all over the place. So I'm not going to say either of them had a great game, but both of them put in the shift we needed. There's a re- we won. What's more, we looked like we should have won. Our XGs even said we should have won. Yeah, I mean, apart and from a 20, look, 25 minute period in the beginning of the second half, I thought it was even to us being better. And then they had a little period where they kind of took control of the game. But other than that, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and part of the benefit to us, you know, what's the upside? Why don't we press and counter press? Because at some stage, they're going to run out of steam, usually around 70 minutes. What's more, in the meantime, they're vulnerable, and you can hit them on the counter up the wings. And people like Flamini can come charging through the middle because they're in a bit of disarray when you get the ball and break through. And part of the reason we broke through is because of uh, folks like Giroud and Ramsey. And if you watch the game again, their hold-up play, their connecting play, there's nothing... uh, Actually, Ramsey had three potential assists, three beautiful through balls. But even if you threw them away, his general graft on our attacking play, he's always involved. Um, So... 
nobody had a great game, um, apart from Flamity. And, and even then, his overall, his overall game was like was actually pretty. Good. Even you, th- you threw away his goals. I mean, I spent a lot of of the uh, the summer or, or a certain amount of the summer defending Flamini, not because he's great, just because he's not utterly shit. I mean, he well, played ju- twenty one games for us last the, year. The reaction had gotten so over the top in the other direction. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm not th- saying he's great. I'm not even saying he's very good. I'm just saying he's not shit. He did a job for us in the first half of last season. We, I, if you look at it, our win percentages with Flamini, it's okay. You know, he does okay. And, and he's, we use him as a DM, and really, he's kind of always... He hasn't really been a DM for most of his career. He's kind of more of a CM, and he, that's what he did today, shuttling back and forward and, and general graft. I think he did pretty good, even if you throw his two goals. Uh, what caught my eye was, like, about 10 or 15 minutes into it, Flamney goes up for an aerial, and uh, he takes off. He's, like, he's about 20 feet in the air. I'm like, holy shit, he, he's really up for this. Oh, and by the way, Giro won 10 aerials, which means helping us keep the ball. Because one of the things against the press and the counter press is somebody needs to get you the ball and hold on to it for a little while. And that's part of what Giro did. And I think it's why we didn't look that great. I'm going to jump in just to get a word in edgewise momentarily. Um, (laughs) uh, First of all, I think – no, 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 you're fine. Look, I – I think the problem Ramsey. The criticism of Ramsey is challenging in a way because Ramsey had a lot of moments in the game that I thought were disappointing, but he was also the one who contributed a lot of the moments that could have been very good. He he played a few fantastic passes that could have led to goals, or or in some cases should have led to goals. Um, I believe he he played a fantastic through ball, and I can't. Was it the one to Gibbs? Um, there was one to Gibbs. Yeah. Um, did, was he, he also he the one who played Giroud? There was Giroud the one to in? Sanchez. Yeah, that's right. The one to Sanchez. And then did, um, did he, was he also the one who played Giroud in when Giroud was you know like three yards out and, and hit the keeper's leg? And some said it was bad finish. Some said it was good keeping. Uh, he was part. Yeah, the, he was part of it. Uh, Any, I can't anyway, remember exactly his role. I remember so, he was uh, in the mix. I think the challenge with Ramsey right now, and it's a challenge with our midfield in general, a lot of players at Arsenal are giving the ball away cheaply right now, and that really kills us. We want to press. We want to be in the opposition half. We want to push our fullbacks up. That's always been our MO, and when you give the ball away cheaply in midfield, it's a big, big problem. Um, Oxley chamberlain is still guilty of doing it. Aaron Ramsey was doing it. Arteta uncharacteristically did it a few times. I want to quickly talk about a player who's who's coming in for a lot of heat in this but game. Can I just quickly mm-hmm. say you can't you know you can't ignore the Pochettino press. That's that's why he was brought in. That's what they do. You're not. I get, look but, but great, you can't. So then then even more important that. that you. But even more important than that you protect the ball and you, and you're mindful of the ball in midfield because their opportunities are always going to be built off turnovers in midfield. Um, Really quickly, a lot of heat coming Debushi's way. Not his finest day. Um, no. He just doesn't seem positionally aware or interested in being a right back. He wants to be an everywhere else back. Um, just a quick thought on his day. And do you think this is just a, a an unhappy player? I mean, he he's kind of kicked up a fuss about the fact that he's not the first choice. Is this just an unhappy player who's gone rogue, or is he just? Not that good, or just had an off day, or what's your read on this? Um, well, it, it's it, I'd almost say it feels like his legs aren't there yet, but that can't really be it. 
Um, this was a head so, thing, not a physical thing. I mean, when, when he was challenged, I, the interesting it, thing is in the one-on-ones, yeah. I thought he was very good in the one-on-ones. He just wasn't where he was supposed to be most of the time. Yeah. I do. I agree with your analysis. I think it is the head thing. I think he came here to be the number one. And I think he's mentally not prepared to be the number two. I think it hurts and it you know, I feel for the guy. This is this is the closing phase of his career. This was his big move. The poor fucker gets injured. He loses half a season. And he gets usurped by somebody who's now, I guess you could say, better, stronger, faster, younger, has everything going for him, and it's got to really suck. Uh, and he yeah, hasn't got his no head fun. He it's has no to get his head around it. It's no fun getting older and watching the young bucks come in and be better at your job than you. I mean, but you still have to do no. your job when, when called upon. Yeah. Um, you know, real quick on Giroud, I mean, I, I don't want to kick dirt on him. I, I think he did work hard, but this is a guy who just does not look like scoring goals right now. I mean, isn't that really the worry? This guy is supposed to be our our star center forward. He's kind of lost the starting job, and now with the confidence low, you just don't see a player who looks like he's going to go out and find a goal. I mean, do you see... Do you see that improving? Was I, I know you loved his graft yeah. in this game, but but talk to me about his his performance as a goal getter. No, I think that's right, and you know it's got to be so frustrating for him because uh, the one or two opportunities he had were very Giro type opportunities, and if he only had a yard of pace more than he has, he would have been ahead of his defender. But he's always getting caught. He's always getting closed mm-hmm. down. It's got to be so bloody frustrating for him when he can't buy a goal right now. But, yeah, I mean, from a pure striker standpoint, it was a very disappointing game. That's why I kind of... We won. We deserved to win. There were, there were a lot of players instrumental in that, and Giroud and Ramsey didn't have their best games by any means. But that's why I kind of go to that side of it. Just because Giroud didn't have his best game doesn't mean it can't work for us. Today it worked for us. But yeah, I, I, from a striker standpoint, I mean, um, he's struggling, and he doesn't look like he's going to score himself. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I mean, there, there uh, were. Uh, bright- I'll also sorry. I just want to quickly before I get, forget. Not only did he win the aerials, we look pretty solid on set pieces and the ba- at the back in general, and having him and Mertesacker make a big deal. So you know. It, it, he does. He can work and did work for our performance today, especially defensively, because we were going to be under a lot of pressure. Uh, you know what I think yeah, some of this is like, Paul. Here, here's here's the only thing that bothers me with some of the arguments I hear about Giroud. You know, oh, he's great at defensive set pieces and and he graphs and he gives us an out, but he's just not a great goal scorer. Sometimes I feel like these arguments are like it would be like if you're describing a pilot and you're like, you know what, he um he gives a great announcement over the public address system. Uh, he wears the uniform really well. He's always prompt and on time, um, always well-kempt. Not super great at flying the plane, but he does all those other things well. You know, it's like he does well, contribute. A little harsh. I, I it's kind of like he's right, not good I, that's at an landing. Exaggeration. No, I, yeah, but, it's kind of okay, like he's he, not good at landing, but we right. have this I mean, co-pilot who can do it. We can get gold from elsewhere. Today well, was one of the we days think, we had we a lot of co-pilots, <laughs> but... But he does need to be able to land the plane. I will grant you that. Yeah. I guess I'm just saying, if you're a striker who's not doing your job of getting goals, the other things you do well, it doesn't invalidate them. But it, it certainly, it's not priority one. You know, it's, it's like when we had Thomas Vermalen and he was banging yeah. in goals. It was great seeing Thomas Vermalen banging goals, but I would have traded those goals for more 
consistent defensive performances. Um, yeah. So um, moving on, we we did win. So <laughs> there's a lot of good things that happen <laughs> when you win a game. We did. Um, it, it was it was a chaotic game, so it's it's really hard. You know, to point to things that you say, that was really fantastic, or this was really fantastic. Matthew Flamini pops up with two goals. I'll ask you this. What's he doing in those positions? I mean, the two goals he gets, one's from the edge of the box running onto it. That maybe you could see a little bit more. The second one is following in, I believe it was an Oxlade chamberlain shot. What do you think was the reason for him to even be in those goal-scoring positions in this game? Did you see something about him wanting to be a little bit more aggressive in the attacking end? Well, he did, but I mean... When we were on the counter, the thing is, once you rumble the Pochettino press, you got wide open spaces. I mean, there will be yeah. spaces against them on the counter, and you got to take advantage of them. The other thing is, I, I mean, I've seen it before with with Flamini when he's when it's him and Arteta, he goes forward. He loves getting into the box. He fucking loves it. Uh, I, and I saw him. I didn't see a lot of him at Milan. Um, but I'd watch him every now and then. He'd like getting forward. He scored seven goals in like 30 starts and 15 sub appearances uh, in his time in Milan. So, you know, you got to get forward a bit. Uh, box to box might be a bit strong, but he is kind of box to boxy given half a chance. He does fancy himself. Uh, was it West Ham? He got the goal against last season. I mean, uh, I'd had a couple of chats before talking about Flamini liking to get into the box. He Give him half a chance. Give him the freedom. He bloody loves it. So it's kind of a How day off How fantastic was that second goal? I mean, come on, right? You know, they'd le- pulled level. At the time, you kind of worried that maybe you could see them getting the second goal. How, how spectacular was that finish? It's superb, and I think we can all relate to it. Anybody who's played tennis and waited for the ball to come down for the perfect lob, and it's just mm-hmm. taken forever... You know, it's a cool customer who can relax. Now, he had the benefit of already having another goal, but I guess we were 1-1 at that point, so it was all to play for. And, you know, in a way, he didn't have to do too much. He just had to strike it sweetly. In it. But when you watch it in slow motion or you catch it, like, just after, his body shape, his the, the arch of his leg, I mean, it's just absolute thoroughbred stuff. It's an absolute peach and he hits a plum my god right you know right where he he looks like he didn't just connect he hit it where he meant to hit it do you want to draw him wearing the heart of the ocean (laughs) 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 Um. i I mean when all said and done i would encourage anybody to go back and watch this magic game again i think they'll find i'm not saying it's a great match and that everybody played great there are actually lots of really good bits to this match, little kind of sequences, little bits of play. You know, it's broken up by us not looking so great when we're being pressed. You know, there are some really nice little interesting aspects to the game. Player, you know, nice touches, yeah, nice I, combinations. I it, thought I thought but, the two most similar performances out there for me, Paul, were, were Ramsey's and Oxlade Chamberlain's in this respect. Both had some really good moments in attack, mm. and both had some really sloppy, disappointing moments with the ball at their feet. Um, as far as yeah. Oxlade Chamberlain, this is a guy who wants to do it on his own when he has the ball, and, and he has so much skill and technique, but is he just, I, and I know Sanchez is the same way, but Sanchez has kind of proven it over a longer career and has more of a right to that kind of play, I guess. Does Oxlade Chamberlain just need to dial down the the take-on-the-world factor a few notches and, and just fit into the side to, to get himself 
some rhythm and form. I mean, I know his his shot was what led to the opening goal. What'd you make of his game? And is is he just pressing too hard to to make to make a an impact? Well, I guess he and Wenger said something fairly similar today, or in the last day or two, about him needing to kind of. Wenger talked about confidence and his finishing uh, and believing in his game. Um, and Ox is talking about kind of being more effective in the box which in, uh, and his finishing, which almost puts more pressure on himself in a way because Wenger was saying he's too critical of himself. Um, so I think he's in a really interesting phase at the moment. It's kind of the two-thirds leading up to him getting into the box is good. He needs to relax at that point and maybe become less selfish. Um, that might even help his goal calling. You know, there's some balance. It's decision-making, and he's trying too hard. You know, he's close to being in the first team, but he's he's talking his way out of it and playing his way out of it. You know, these are very difficult times for a player to, you know, should I shoot, should I be more generous? You know, it's one of those things that until it fits into posi- position, talking doesn't do it. It's kind of like the Ramsey, oh, he needs to simplify his game. Well, he doesn't have a lot of game if he simplifies it. That's who no, he is. You know, what, you know, you know he, what it is? He he reminds me a little of a Ross Barkley or even a Gareth Bale on Spurs in that he's got bags of talent, tons of ability, and really built to take players on one-on-one. The difference is Bale was on Tottenham, so who fucking cares if he passes it to anyone else? And Bar- <laughs> Barkley's on Everton, and they do have talent, but it's a smaller club, and he's an English player, and I think they, they kind of can tolerate him um, so being more of a soloist, but Oxley Chamberlain is in a very talented squad with bigger name players and more talented players, and it's not a squad that can tolerate him, you know, really soloing as much. So, yeah. so he, it, it he feels has like to he, fit into I said a team ethos more. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, and it feels like he, in one sense, he's playing really well, but he's just not integrated to the play, and and yeah. that's the problem. He's he's not woven into what we do. No, and and you know the truth is, to a lesser extent, Alexis is having some of the same problems. I mean, mm. we we are more suited to players who play on the one touch than like to dribble and beat a man. Um, Alexis did come on. I thought he he immediately made us look a lot more threatening. Unfortunately, he had one really good chance that he tamely hit at the keeper. I thought he showed such incredible threat on the pitch. But are are you worried about this now? I mean. I thought his overall performance was good, but but he's not scoring, and if we're going to do anything this season, he's going to have to shoulder a big burden for goal scoring. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I tend to avoid worrying, but if but if I was wondering what to worry about, not that me, would my friend. Probably <laughs> that would probably be. Don't know if, where don't know if you noticed. My en- <laughs> yeah, that'd be where I put my energies if I were you, Elliot. That's a safe bet to worry about. Yeah, no, I can am. do. I mean. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, things can turn around quickly, so blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we all think he, he could probably probably have done with a bit more rest. Probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have hurt our results the way things have been. Um, the, the other way to give him a rest is to just play, play him on the right for a bit and when you get a chance, play him a bit more through the middle and stuff. And you know, if the guy has the energy and it's just he's mentally tired, give him a, a change is as good as a rest. So, 
you know, we don't have to play him on the left the whole time. Well, you know my opinion. I don't think he should be on the left at all, but that's a discussion for another day. I want to start to wrap up. We've got some time constraints here. Plus, it's just the Capital One Cup and no one cares, so why discuss it? Um, but uh, just really quickly, I mean, Mertesacker's back. I thought he looked great. I actually thought Chambers had a, a pretty good game apart from the own goal. Um, do you want to break down the own goal at all? I mean, is that is that just bad instincts from from Chambers, or was he kind of hung out to dry by Debushi to begin with? Well, definitely there was a bit of Debushi in there. Um, my only thought on the Chambers thing was, I mean, overall, I think people said he had a good game overall. I I think he had a mixed game overall. Um, I think that's fair, but but I think that's okay. I mean. Uh, He's ne- he's never been a centre back. That's his nominated position. It's all new. I think a lot of his problems playing out from the back is that he tries to play out like a full back does, and what and playing di- your passes directly up the pitch works as a full back uh, into safer areas. You know, gets kicked into touch if it all goes wrong most mm-hmm. of the time. Whereas you play it up through the middle as he tends to do from centre back. Uh, that'll get you into a lot of trouble if you don't get it spot on. Or you, you, you know, as a fullback, you're always playing it to somebody who's under pressure. As a centre back, you don't want to be playing it up to the middle, who's to somebody who's always under pressure. You're kind of fucked. That's a that's almost an Oxlade Chamberlain. Well, we, kind we of saw move. that against Liverpool, um, you know, in, yeah. in the first half, and that he, you know, yeah, that so, is definitely an issue. He's seeing a different part so of the pitch. So he's learning the, the business. Uh, on the goal. You know, the only thing I think is, because we've seen those kinds of situations before, what do other centre-backs do? The problem was he was just fully extended to the point where he really didn't have any control at that point. Makes me think that when it's that far of a reach, you just let it go, but it's hard to let a ball go across your the six-yard box. So I have a lot of sympathy for the guy. I don't know what the right thing to do is. That was obviously the wrong thing to do. I don't know that he knew how deep he was, how close to the end yeah. line he was. I think if he realized it, it, what, yeah. how, how close he was to the end line, he might have let it go you know, because that's that's a ball the keeper's always going to be favored for. I could see making that touch if you're six yards or seven or eight yards out, but you know he's he's two yards out. I, I think that yeah. he may have just kind of lost lost his awareness for a minute. Um, and, and it was how deep he was. It was also how extended he was, where he was kind of basically at full stretch reach, and he had no control at that point. He was just sticking sticking a leg out, and his ability to stick it out a little bit more because he realized he was slightly short. There was no more to give. He was absolutely at full stretch at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he all right, well, let's let wrap go. it up with this. I mean, first of all, great feeling to, w- to win the Derby. So happy that we, we knocked them out. You know, it, it sends them out of a competition, which is great because, frankly, for them, it's a competition they look to win. It's, it's, a, it's a trophy that they, they, they were in the final just last year, I believe, or was it the year before when they played Chelsea? Was that last year or the year before? I think wasn't it last year they were at least in the semis or something. Yeah, they played know. they played Chelsea in the final. I can't remember last year or the year before. Either way, um, yeah. moral of the story is it just feels great. I'm glad we did it. But now looking ahead to Leicester, just quickly, were there any performances today that you think will change the manager's opinion going into Leicester? Do you think anyone will keep their place? And by anyone keep their place, with respect to Ramsey, I mean in the center of midfield. Because is going to be eligible to come back. Gabriel's going to be eligible. So the two obvious ones would be Mertesacker and Ramsey in midfield. But anyone else today? I mean, I think we can 
safely assume Flamini is a one-off there. A- anyone make a strong case for you today to, to keep their starting spot? Uh, I think a lot of players did themselves actually quite a bit of good, but I don't think it changes the starting to 11-1 iota. You know, the, what happens with Coquelin will will shuffle that deck. If he's fit, great. If not, then the performances today will matter because the manager has to decide, is Artet up to snuff? He'll probably say yes. And then who partners with him? So he'll have some decisions to make. I, I don't know what the answers are. As do, you I think the energy before, of, do you think the energy of Flamini's performance today might lead the manager, assuming Coughlin can't play, to choose Flamini over Arteta? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I, th- well, I think Arteta's always the man. Uh, as long as he's got enough in his legs, and that's the decision that ha- the manager has to... But he, he's kind of bet on Arteta now. I think Arteta, I thought, was pretty good today. Not great. Um, mm-hmm. I think he showed enough, and, you know, hopefully we'll have a good attacking performance against Leicester. And uh, I haven't actually watched much of them this season, so I don't know what kind of. Uh, I won't give a prediction based on their setup and the way they play because I haven't paid them enough attention to do that. So they, I think they have some pace. Big decision. Um, they, yeah. I think they have Riyad Mahrez, if I remember correctly, who's uh, been one of the the highlights yeah. of the season. Fast, Three dribbly, goals, tricky. Yeah. Um, uh, so he can spend the day in Koscielny's pocket. Anyway, let's leave it there. How's that sound to you? That was a good spirited debate for a Capital One Cup midweek game. Lively. Good. I loved it. Um, high right, well, high we, passions with the Capital One Cup. We miss James and his his measured and intelligent approach and his his uh, more articulate, erudite approach to we the did. podcast. But this will have to do. In the meantime, uh, you can follow Paul on Twitter at Posing in My Pants. Paul, as always, it's a pleasure. Likewise, and if, I think if I proved anything, I may not think the competition is very important, but I think the games, it, the games based on who the eleven are on the field, I enjoy the snot out of them, and I think they're important. So I think that's something we can all agree on. Watching Arsenal is the highlight of my every week, so that's why I like it yep. when we go for it because I I like watching. Um, I hear in you, any bro. event, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave the podcast a review somewhere so we know if we're doing a good job and if we're not doing a good job we'll keep doing it the same way and you keep leaving us bad reviews and then we'll all be happy uh, in the meantime my name is elliot smith you can block me on twitter at yankee gunner we'll be back after the lester game until then north london is red Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. What's going on, everybody? This is Mac Wilds, one-third of the almighty guys next door. And if you're listening to this, we want you to be a neighbor. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, like, what do these guys talk about? What is it? Well, listen, we talk about everything under the sun. We talk about everything that it means to be a young millennial man in today's society, whether it's finance the type of condoms that you use, or how to deal with love issues, or lack of emotion. We talk about everything, and we go there, guys. We go there. We really, really have a lot of fun. So uh, if you guys would love to, we would love you to come on over, come mosey on down, you know, right past Sesame Street. We want you guys to come, come kick it with us. Come get some sugar. We are the guys next door. Peace. A-Cash, 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 A-Cash recommends. recommends.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.